This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. This is Carl Valeri, and today we have a really cool interview and uh, a job option that's uh, something outside the box for, for most of us, but it's really interesting. We're going to be interviewing uh, California Highway Patrol pilot Jan Sears. Jan's passionate about aviation and has a unique path towards his career goal, and he's going to share that with us. But real quickly, before we start, a couple of announcements. Number one, make sure you go out to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash aviationcareerspodcast, and uh, we put all the different podcasts out there. And also, I, and obviously, I do some news items, and there's some discussion out there, and it's a great way to get in touch with us. Plus, we start announcing some of our events like meetups and where I'll be. Uh, I'm going to start doing some really uh, quick meetups, things like where if I'm in a city and I say, hey, I'm here in uh, such and such a city, I'm going to be at this restaurant or at this location. Uh, come stop by if you're in town. That'd be really cool. So we'll try to uh, be able to reach out and say hi. I know I get a lot of feedback, people saying, hey, when you're in town, maybe we can go have a cup of coffee or something like that. And uh, that would be, be awesome. Uh, so anyway, moving on to our interview interview with Jan Sears. Jan is, uh, uh, actually has a really interesting background, and uh, we really appreciate what Jan has done for, for us and for you know keeping us safe out there. And one of the jobs that I've always said I'm not sure I could do is, is be a police officer. I think it's, it's very taxing. It's very stressful. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate what they do. Jan, wel- welcome to the podcast, Jan. Hey, good morning, Carl. Thank you very much for having me. I'm super excited to uh, share my background and hopefully inspire um, some others to kind of go down this path, which I really never saw coming. And uh, that's what was so exciting about it. Awesome. You know, it's funny. We you said good morning, and I'm. It's actually already afternoon here. Uh, I'm in. I'm on the East Coast. You're on the West Coast there. And uh, one of the things that's that's really interesting about talking about this is that it doesn't matter where you are and what you're doing in your career. It spans time zones and countries. Uh, there's so many different cool things out there uh, that we can be exposed to, and that's what Jan's going to going to do for us. But uh, but before Jan became you became a, a California Highway Patrol pilot, man, it, it was it was a bit of a journey. And uh, you truly are somebody that's that's passionate about aviation. Tell us maybe a little bit about how you how you got interested in aviation. Yeah, so um, I grew up in a small town in uh, West Marin County, which is about 30 miles north of uh, San Francisco, and I uh, had a close family friend that uh, used his GI Bill to uh, get his uh, flight instructor rating, um, and he just started uh, you know, looking at people that he thought might be interested in, in flying, and I turned out to be a real strong candidate for that at age 10. Um, so every weekend for, um, about six or seven years, I would, uh, make the trek from, uh, Bolinas, north of San Francisco over to Hayward, uh, where I did, uh, some flying, uh, in Cherokee, um, all the way through to Solo at age 16, which I ended up doing at Oakland airport, which, you know, for a lot of people would be probably kind of scary, but, um, being right next to the international field, the north field is uh, just adjacent to uh, to the large hangars there. So, did my solo at 16, and then um, I ended up uh, doing one year down at Embry Riddle uh, Aeronautical University down in Prescott, Arizona, 
um, at age 20 and finished up my private while I was there. And that sort of, um, it sort of uh, stalled from that point. I, I ended up working um, briefly, you know, as a, a, a desk uh, operator over at a small fixed base operator in um, Nevada, California, for a period of time, you know, handing out keys to customers and uh, washing aircraft, et cetera. <laughs> That's kind of a <laughs> typical approach to, you know, the person that gets over the fence and says, okay, I'm going to watch planes to go fly. And you, you kind of yeah. li- literally did that, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, re- I remember looking at my logbook from that year, you know, I had 40 hours and that was my biggest year. I was like, you know, celebrating the fact that I'd flown as much as I did. And um, I sort of ended up in a, um, in a, kind of a career rut for a little while trying to figure out what to do because at age right around age 19 or 20 I, I entered the Marine Corps um, thinking that I was going to be a fighter pilot my uh, my uh, high school graduation gown I painted on the back you know Top Gun class of 92 you know I had I'd grown up in the 80s you know watching Tom Cruise Top Gun etc and that was really um, the path that I wanted to go down and I entered the Marine Corps and uh, spent three weeks of basic training down at um, in San Diego at MCRD and had an asthma attack while I was there. And uh, that was an automatic disqualifier. They, uh, they sent me to the hospital immediately and uh, uh, honorably discharged me uh, and said, thanks, but no thanks. So wow. um, I kind of was left with, wow, okay, my entire aviation career this is you know this is what i've been driving toward and uh so i had to had to do some reevaluating and you know during that period i decided that uh i would join the volunteer fire department at my hometown and um was then spurred on to go to emergency medical technician school and uh i did that and um ended up working for an ambulance company in san francisco for three years before then going to paramedic school and working as a paramedic in the city of Oakland for uh, almost 12 years um, before finding the highway patrol. So kind of a, uh, a very strange uh, and very unplanned career path. Yeah, uh, really, really <laughs> serendipitous journey. That's for sure. You went from one end to the next. And then uh, I, I tell you, that must have been tough, though, overcoming the fact that, hey, you know, you had this medical issue. And uh, that really was a challenge. I, I was wondering, you know, just to back up there, how 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 did you feel during that? I know there's a lot of people listening right now that that are going through something like that. They they got you know kind of like the the wing knocked out of their sails, you know, and they're saying to themselves, "Gosh, I can't move forward with this aviation career," just like you did. But but you were able to do it. How did you get through that? Yeah, you know, I had a um, this you know the same guy that taught me how to fly was sort of my uh, my mentor in life. And, you know, I just, I kind of followed his, his advice and just, you know, I, I tripped and stumbled and got up and brushed myself off and said, well, I have to, I have to figure out something else to do. And, you know, really it was, it was kind of during that period of, of, of being, you know, looking you know into myself and deciding here I am 20 years old, my dream is not going to be flying in the military, you know, what what are my options? And the, the medical field, you know, the EMS field sort of opened its eyes to me um, as another potential option, not really even looking down the road to uh, any sort of other avenues in aviation. So it was, um, 
it was kind of fighter pilot or nothing at that age. And um, I hadn't looked at doing the CFI or, or, you know, being an airline pilot. None of those things tripped my trigger. So I just sort of stumbled into that career. And it wasn't until the highway patrol that, you know, aviation was um, kind of reignited again. And that was at age 31, to believe it or not. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so a few a few years went by before I before I reignited that that flame again. So it's never too late. So now you went from the EMT and, and into the highway patrol, but you didn't go right into aviation. And because uh, uh, some people assume you can just go get hired into a flying job with the highway patrol or with with the police department, et cetera. And that's that's not quite the way it happens, is it? No, not at all. Um, in the case of the Highway Patrol, we spend six we six months at an academy um, in West Sacramento. We we're one of the only departments that have a lived-in academy, so we spend Monday through Friday, um, you know, in a dormitory scenario, um, classes all day, you know, PT at four thirty in the morning. Um, it's a very kind of a paramilitary academy. Uh, you get Wednesday nights and weekends uh, liberty, so you get to you know go home see family on the weekends, and you get to come back. Um, but it's you know it's learning how to um, drive cars, um, write tickets, shoot guns, um, take crash reports. Uh, we do everything that's involved with the penal code and the vehicle code. So uh, it's a a very uh, large amount of information in a short period of time under a very close watch the entire time. So it's, yeah, you got to be um, with the highway patrol uh, and with many other agencies, you have to be an officer first and then the pilot jobs um, come after. So so if you're in that, that highway patrol job as an officer, you're not guaranteed like a, a slot as an aviator, right? You don't come in as an aviator. No, no. You, um, it's it's one of those things that you just sort of pay attention to. You look for openings in the air operations program. Um, you have to do a minimum of two years on the road as a road officer. So out of the academy, we're assigned a particular location. Um, in my case, it was Hayward. Um, so I did um, a little over a year at Hayward. My, my situation's a little bit unique because they were in desperate need of paramedics on the helicopters because our helicopters um, carry um, obviously a, a helicopter pilot, but our flight officers are also trained uh, in paramedicine. So they act as an air ambulance when they're not doing law enforcement calls. So uh, they were in desperate need of somebody who was already trained. Uh, and I happened to fit that bill because I had just come out of working you know, as a paramedic in Oakland for 12 years. So um, I got pulled into the program at about a year and two months. So kind of, kind of unique. Um, most of the time it's two years before you can even apply, but, um, needs of the department that also drive, um, drive that for sure. So one of the things that's interesting, you just said paramedic and, and highway patrol, something I'd have to plead ignorance here. I didn't know all the things that the highway patrol does until I watched this video about the California highway patrol on YouTube. I was like, Holy cow, this is, they do more than, than in my mind, of course, I'm sitting here saying they're the people that pull me over and write me the tickets, but they have, they have a much broader scope of their, their mission. Don't they? 
Yeah, so we um, we started that that mission back. Well, the air operation program started in the mid '60s um, with the fixed wing program. Shortly after helicopters, and then it wasn't until the late '70s that they introduced um, what we call a regional program, which um, has that's when we brought the EMT slash paramedic into the mix and uh, started offering up this service to fairly strained EMS systems because of, um, you know, air ambulances are an asset that is not exactly available all the time. Um, we have a, we have a number of them in our area, but, um, they are often, you know, called to other calls. So we're just an extra, um, tool in the EMS chest to be used for, um, you know, medical evacuation. Uh, the other thing that we offer is that we can not only do the medevac, but we can also do the rescue portion um, because our paramedics officers are trained as hoist operators. So we can uh, lower uh, people in and out of very difficult scenes where you've got you know people all trapped on the side of a cliff, um, down on a beach, you know, in a grove of trees um, on a trail where the nearest road is several miles. Um, so we offer that service to uh, assist people in need as often as possible. So in doing that, it, it must be very rewarding. I'm assuming you must have some stories about uh, situations where it really was rewarding to you personally because you were able to help people. You probably do it every day. Yeah, no, we um, <laughs> we get called um you know, every day, even as a road officer in the highway patrol, is you know, the beauty of this job is that you never know what you're going to do uh, on that given day. I mean, you obviously know what your function is, but you never know what the what emergency or you know call for help is going to going to come of this. But yeah, we've had a number of uh, you know I've I've picked people off of uh, the side of mountains that. You know, when you bring them up to the helicopter on the hoist and you make eye contact with them and they they have that look of, oh, my God, you know, I, I didn't even didn't even know that this was an option to get me out of here. And thank God you're here. Um, that's super rewarding. I mean, it is uh, it's an invaluable um, asset. And and we really take pride in what we do. You know, we we train um, constantly uh to keep up on the latest techniques um, and equipment, and our guys are are the, among the most highly trained individuals um, doing this kind of work in the world. So, when you're bringing people on board and you're you're doing all this, it, it must be an adrenaline rush. Uh, afterwards, I, I'm sure you, sometimes you have to kind of decompress. Is it is it also somewhat stressful? Maybe. Yeah. No. It's. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is definitely anything, I think, anything involved with emergency medical services or even, you know, police firework, it all ha- it all lends itself to a very, um, very high intensity um, workload kind of environment. And we all, um, you know, band together as a family um, in times where those uh, difficult situations have come up. And we talk about it amongst ourselves. We have um, critical incident stress debriefing in place. Uh, in case in times where that's needed, where we can get, you know, uh, a medical physician involved and it's a private, you know, all those involved only kind of scenario. And we'll discuss events and make sure that everybody is, uh, you know, not only physically prepared for the job, but also mentally, because it can it can take a strain on you after years of doing it. So, sure. Uh, yeah. 
Gosh, and you have to be in good shape, it seems too. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I'm a you know, well, I'm kind of a retired ultra marathon runner, but I I still run as my primary level of fitness. Uh, in addition to doing core work and uh, yeah, absolutely operating the hoist and you know getting off the helicopter, walking into the woods for periods of time. You got to really make sure you take care of yourself in order in order that you can take care of other people. Yeah, definitely not a desk job, that's for sure. So. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds exciting, but one of the more even more exciting to me, obviously, because I like flying, is is moving into that pilot seat. So you went from doing this, being an EMT, operating hoist, etc., to actually moving over to flying the aircraft. How did you do that? How did you bridge that gap? Yeah, so our, our office, uh, we share the space. Um, we have two helicopters and two airplanes. Um, the helicopters we use are our Euro, Eurocopter AS350B3s, uh, um, which are now Airbuses, and I'm not sure what the enumeration is for the Airbus, but um, since Airbus bought Eurocopter. And we have um, uh, a Gips Airvan, um, Golf Alpha 8, Tango Charlie, which is a, uh, a sort of looks like a caravan, but um, is a piston engine um, workhorse that uh, we use as our primary um, surveillance aircraft. Um, we're actually acquiring our second Gips Airvan um, next week. So which replaces our Cessna 206 that uh, we've had for um, the last 17 years. So I am um, in, in my situation, I had been on the helicopter as a flight officer paramedic for seven years. And I saw an opening was coming on the airplane side of the house. And um, I talked to my lieutenant and I said, hey, if I go out and get my commercial instrument, at that time I had a private with about 200 hours um, he said, yeah, go get your stuff. And, uh, I spent four months, um, getting my commercial instrument, you know, going, doing that before work at, uh, at Napa airport conveniently located so that I could, you know, take a lesson before, before my flight shift and then, uh, do that continually for four months and then ended up, um, flying on the fixed wing side of the house as a pilot. I, um, uh, I had initially looked at doing the rotorcraft side, and fiscally, um, it made more sense for me, since I was already a private pilot fixed wing, to uh, to just go keep continuing down the fixed wing route, um, because the pay upgrade um, from flight officer to pilot is the same on either side of the house, um, which is um, kind of nice. So, yeah, that's how I ended up there, March of... 2008, I ended up um, flying an airplane for the department, which um, really wasn't on my radar when I when I got the job with the Highway Patrol. I originally had um, had a goal set on okay, I'll work the road for five years. You know, I kind of gave that my my mental picture in my head was, you know, I'm going to drive a car, write tickets, take crashes, and help people on the road, and then. Uh, make my way to the helicopter as a paramedic. And I really never had the goal of being a fixed wing pilot until I got there and I decided, you know, after several years of doing the helicopter, that this might be a, a real viable option for me. So the different aircraft that they have uh, fixed wing are, uh, what, what are the different aircraft they have fixed wing? Yeah, so it's a um, Gips Airvan, uh, Golf Alpha 8, Tango Charlie, which are the, the Australian aircraft, um, 
made in Australia. They've only made about 250 of them. Um, it's designed as a Bush aircraft, and uh, but the company uh, was acquired by Mahindra, which is an Indian aerospace company, uh, back um, at the right around the 2008 period, and they decided to take this platform and start showing it to law enforcement agencies to use as a surveillance aircraft. Um, the airplane is equipped um, with a number of radios to communicate with all the law enforcement agencies in the Bay Area. That totals about 300, 350 different agencies that we work with uh, on a daily basis. And uh, in the belly of the aircraft is a, a Westcam uh, L3 um, MX-15 DI. Um, so that's for all you um, av geeks that really want to know the details. It's a, basically a high-powered camera that we use um, for surveillance, for searching for not only bad guys, but looking for um, lost hikers, um, vehicles over the side uh, at night, because it also has a FLIR capability, which is um, really fantastic. And it's also digital, which just makes it's kind of a game changer as far as just how crisp an image that we get from the aircraft. So um, I have uh, a flight officer that is, sits in the back of the aircraft, and I'm basically his limo driver. <laughs> That's what I call myself. <laughs> I, 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 go, I go where he asks me to go. He monitors calls, and um, all the, basically I would say 80% of the work that we do is proactive. You know, we scan a number of different frequencies and – that's what gets us going to the various calls that we end up on. So you're doing a lot of surveillance, uh, reconnaissance type missions, uh, different interdictions, uh, and many more. Uh, actually, it's interesting because one of the things I, I think is really cool about that aircraft is the fact it's also turbine, right? So, yeah, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, so they make a turbine variant, um, which is the GA-10, uh, the GA-8 is a Lycoming-powered oh. um, IO540, yeah, IO same same engine that's in the 206 Turbo. Gotcha. Um, yeah, we we wanted a turbine, but um, we also are a government agency, and they look at cost very closely. So um, cost-wise, um, at this point, it's been less expensive to go down the, uh, the piston route. But the long-term goal is to replace the piston versions with the GA-10, which was recently certified uh, down in Australia. So maybe by the time I um, have a career change, maybe they will have gotten it, maybe not. <laughs> so that's actually I, the same one that the Civil Air Patrol uses, I think, is uh, Correct. similar. They, okay. They did, buy, um, they did buy a few of them, and then... Um, Government agencies got involved and decided that they want American purchased aircraft, and I think, I think the bulk of their fleet is made up of two hundred sixes and one eighty twos with a handful of Gips airbags. Right. That's why I assume, uh, as far as fixed wing, why I asked that question. I thought that the Highway Patrol had more, uh, like here in Florida, we have multiple types of aircrafts uh, as far as fixed wings concerned. Uh, so that's one of the missions they use for those fixed wing. Even a one eighty two is transporting even prisoners, that type of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we, we don't do um, any prison transport, prisoner transport um, yet. You know, that, that can always change, um, but we're not set up for that. Uh, we did um, recently acquire a, a King Air 300, which is in the process of being 
um, retrofitted. It was a former military um, uh, 300 that they're they're gutting and, and converting back to uh, transport mode, which would be primarily used um, to take uh, the governor around in addition to other dignitaries, uh, chiefs, um, that kind of thing, as well as um, in the past uh, we did have a King Air uh, a number of years ago that we used to take the families of fallen officers um, to various locations in the state that may not be accessible by airlines. So, wow, that's, that's just, nice. Yeah, that's coming down the pipes. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting to hear that because if you look at California, you'd almost think you need a jet because that's a big state. <laughs> it is a big state. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> Geographically, um, yeah, we have, you know, eight air operations units throughout the state. And, uh, wow. um, you know, we we share, you know, borders with one another. So, you know, very often we might get called to the far edge of another division because it's so far for them to get to um, that uh, we often help each other out, which is uh, really great. One of the missions of, with a fixed wing that, that really it really kind of I look at and say, gosh, you know, it makes sense to use a helicopter is, is that surveillance. And in my mind initially I thought that. But with the aircraft, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've heard in the past is that the, it's really it's cost effective. Also, it gets you on station, and, and I'm assuming your loiter times are a little bit longer. Yeah, so we can be um, you know on station for up to four four and a half hours with wow. the uh, the standard fuel load that we carry. Um, yeah, and and just direct operating cost is um, a whole lot less expensive than a helicopter. Um, in addition to the fact that we're just we're a lot quieter and we operate at a much higher altitude, um, we're operating generally on the surveillance missions anywhere from from fifty five hundred up to ten five. Um, depending upon the airspace that we're operating in, we're, we border, um, you know, class Charlie and cross Bravo airspace. So very often, you know, we're working directly with, uh, with ATC and sorting out what altitude also works best for them for arrivals and departures in and out of Oakland and SFO. So for those of us on the ground thinking surveillance, we always think, oh, they're watching me from the air if I'm speeding. But there's more to it than just that. The missions is, is a little bit broader than that. What is What do you guys do as far as surveillance? Yeah, so a standard, um, a few of the standard missions that we do um, very often is uh, we'll follow, um, say, you know, on you know, our ground guys who are undercover have, you know, found, you know, say a gang leader or someone else who's involved with another, you know, violent crime. Um, they found his location. They have identified his vehicle. Um, we'll stay above and follow that vehicle um, to from one destination to the other. And that way they can get intelligence as far as, you know, where these people are going, um, stopping other contacts that they may have, um, you know, and even from, you know, an altitude of about 3,000 feet, we can acquire license plates, which is really, wow. really a nice, really a nice thing that we're able to do um, for our guys on the ground. You know, and that's really what we spend the bulk of our time doing is backing up our officers on the ground so that, you know, their their lives can be uh, put in less jeopardy um, and and we can you know provide a function that way. Yeah, particularly in uh, high-speed pursuits, um, you know, the, where you get a guy who's just driving, 
you know, so reckless, recklessly that uh, it's very difficult for us um, to watch our guys on the ground have to drive that way. So we get them to slow down and we follow the vehicles and they don't even know we're there. Um, and we'll follow them all the way to a residence and then they, we can safely guide you know, our units in, set up a perimeter and, uh, you know, apprehend the suspect with, you know, much less, uh, uh, much less of the putting our own guys in the line of risk, um, that and using the aircraft for that measure. You know, being a California highway patrolman and, uh, is really kind of cool. I mean, I, I think that would be neat. It's very rewarding. There's so many different jobs out there. One of the things that, you know, people are probably listening right now. Is that I'm I'm hearing you talk about airplanes and flying, but in the aviation department, I'm assuming there's other roles besides just the pilots. So, is you know, give us an example of some of the other roles within aviation that there might be within the highway patrol. Yeah. So, yeah, that it's um, and that's one of the reasons I chose this department over any other um, is because of the the variety that we have. Um, uh, we have a number of people who ride bicycles um, and carry a gun. We've got um, at the Capitol, we have people that ride horses and carry guns. Um, obviously, there's motor officers riding motorcycles throughout um, throughout the state with the different divisions that we have. Um, we've got the ability to do dignitary protective services. So there's an, an officer that's assigned to the governor, say, and he's the governor's driver and the governor's, um, you know, watches over that individual. Um, a number of administrative positions, um, you know, obviously I'm, I've stayed at the officer level uh, because if I, if I promoted at this point, I would no longer get to fly the line like I'm doing now, which is really part of the job that I enjoy the most. But if you were interested in promotion, you know, it's sergeant, lieutenant, captain, assistant chief, chief, all the way to, you know, commissioner for the highway patrol. So the, the opportunities abound. We have, um, 8,000 uniformed employees. Um, and the air operation unit is a very, very small portion of that. Um, of the eight units that we have statewide, um, there's six pilots on the fixed wing side, six pilots on the helicopter side, six flight officers and six flight officers for the airplane. So it's a a very small amount of people (laughs) in this very large, vast organization. Um, And once once you get here, most people decide that this is where they're going to stay. And that's another um, unique quality to the Highway Patrol is that uh, you can get into an air operations unit and there's no... Uh, time frame that you're bound to as long as you you know remain here in good standing and and can uh, you know get through uh, our quarterly training and uh, don't have any you know safety violations uh, you'll you'll remain here to the end of your career um, if that's what you choose to do so yeah it's uh, it's a really nice nice department to work for I can you know I can work on the coast I can work in the mountains I can work in the desert I can, you know, work in the valley. So it's uh, all for the same department, all for the same pay, which is kind of super unique um, in that respect as well. 
It's unique, and it's it's very California unique that you have all that diversity there. We, we some states just don't have that, and and you're lucky to be there too, which is really cool. Uh, you know, like you said, you can be in, in the desert and then be on the coast and then in the mountains. That's really awesome. Uh, one of the things though you said is that it's you know kind of a small group. So if somebody is thinking about this, it sounds like it's a bit of a challenge. Uh, if somebody's aspiring to become a pilot, say with the California Highway Patrol. I mean, what what would you say to them? Because it sounds it sounds a little bit daunting to me. So, what would what kind of advice would you give that person? Yeah, well, here's the advice I'd give: um, get a degree before you come on the department, um, because right out of the gate, you're going to make five percent more than the guy right next to you. So, um, and and that degree doesn't necessarily have to be in criminal justice; it can be in something you enjoy. Um, really, the 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 ultimate idea is if you really wanted to fly, particularly for our department, is you'd get your degree and get all of your ratings done before you even come on. Um, our minimums for, for fixed wing and helicopter are 300 hours PIC. So it's pretty low um, considering the kind of work that we do. Um, the reason that we allow it to be as low as it is, that we have a very uh, rigorous training regimen that you go through prior to um, being a line pilot or flight officer. Uh, you go through about four months of what we call phase training, the phase one, phase two, and phase three. Uh, phase one being um, kind of VFR maneuvers, um, kind of your private commercial pilot type stuff. Um, phase two is all instruments. So you make sure that you're you know, a very competent um, instrument pilot. Uh, because very often we're called upon to you know, launch in in the muck and land in the muck, so you got to be real sharp at that. And then phase three is um, basically spent doing the operational side of the job, you know, running running mock calls or even responding to real calls, and um, having you know you're with a training pilot that whole time, and he's observing you how you you know make your turn, set yourself up so that the flight officer in the back has the camera in the right position and uh, and that you're geographically oriented um, not only to where the call is but to where ATC is and the airspace that you're operating in and and then still having to be, you know, situationally aware just like we always are as pilots. So um, it's, you know, you, you would, it would think that there would be, you know, kind of a line of guys waiting out the door, waiting for openings to come up. And honestly, um, throughout the years that I've been in air ops, because I've been at the air operations unit now for 17 years, um, I've seen a lot of guys come and go and, you know, they'll move to other units. And the idea is that you go through our academy as soon as you know that you want to get into the air operations program. You put an interest in with air operations. They'll, um, if you've already got your your private, your commercial instrument, and your 300 hours PIC, you can test to get on, you know, our pilots eligibility list. And then as those spots come available, uh, you just keep an eye out for them. Um, we do announcements daily for job openings. So um, you check your email in the morning. You'll you'll find out where there's a job opening. Uh, you put in your, you submit your your packet, and it's uh, kind of interesting. It's like applying for another job, even though it's within the same department. But we do an interview process. 
um, for all the candidates that come in, both for pilot and flight officer. And uh, we're very, um, you know, we want to make sure that you're a good fit for the small group of people that you're going to be working with. In addition to having the necessary skills um, to get the job done. So it's, uh, it seems like it would be, um, you know, not something that, you know, falling off of trees, but to be honest, I've, there isn't a person that I've met yet that um, was interested in the air ops program and hasn't gotten in yet. They've all seemed to have found their way one way or the other. As long as you're flexible, you know, as far as your ability to move throughout the state, um, the the eight operations uh, that we have are um, one in Redding, Golden Gate Division, which is in Napa, California. Um, we've got one in uh, Auburn, which is in the foothills just east of Sacramento, another one in Fresno, Paso Robles, um, and the uh, one in Inland Division, which is in Apple Valley near Victorville, um, one in Thermal, which is near Palm Springs, and then the uh, down in Southern California, Border and Southern Division are both based out of Fullerton Airport. So a lot of, um, a lot of variety as far as um, places that you can live and work. Uh, and, you know, even though there's, you know, around 120 jobs in the air operations um, department, there always seems to be an opening at one of those given locations as long as you're flexible. Man, that sounds really cool because there is so much diversity there in the job and, and locations. And like you said, you have to be flexible. And one of the interesting things about being in the California Highway Patrol is that you are actually bigger than some countries' armies. I mean, you're looking at what in over seven thousand officers, and with that, civilians attached, uh, and you have, like you said, eight divisions uh, covering a huge area. And, and remember, the population is what about thirty-eight, forty thousand people, and that's a lot of people. Uh, yeah, it's actually. Um Thirty-eight million. <laughs> I meant million. Excuse me. Excuse yeah. me. Million. Million. <laughs> That's a small, small country. But yeah, thirty-eight million people. That's fascinating. That uh, that they could actually cover such a, a large jurisdiction and be part of the same force, uh, which is was really cool because I, I'm sure there's all that camaraderie also. Oh yeah, no, it's a, it's a big family. You know, we all look out for each other. Um, you know, when a, when an officer has fallen in the line of duty, we all, you know, if they're in an area that we are nearby, we all attend the funeral. We do, you know, for in the air operations unit, we do, you know, kind of a missing man formation um, for fallen officers. It's one of the, you know, adjunct duties that we do. Um, yeah, it, it has been, um, thus far, it's been a wonderful career. And I um, honestly couldn't see myself doing um doing it any differently um up until this point so really 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 happy with my my decision for sure i'm sure you spurred a lot of interest in people that are listening right now and uh you know there's lots of websites out there we have we're gonna have links in the show notes here and uh you know one of the things that's really cool we talked offline about this is the fact that you have incredible benefits too, being part of the, the highway patrol and especially medical. I know some of you that are listening are a lot younger, not thinking about this, but it is incredibly important <laughs> when you get along in your career to have a good retirement and good medical. And that's uh, that's a bonus. I mean, for, for pretty much for life, you have the uh, medical, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. So after you hit your 20 year mark um, and age 50, so, and it's actually 
it's changed a little bit because of uh, contract negotiations, but I think the current, if you come on now as an officer, the current retirement is age 57, uh, and you get 2.7% of your income per year worked. So you basically do the math. Um, like in my situation, if I go 20 years, um, I get 3% at age 50. So 60% plus not paying into the retirement that I've been paying into. So it works out to close to 70% of my income at retirement. Wow. Uh, and yeah, which is uh, really amazing. Uh, and the, and the medical and the benefits are just, they're, they're top notch. I mean, they really, really take care of, of their people. It's, um, and like you said, I know a lot of young people listening, but I, I was just uh, talking to a friend. He brought his two sons over who are both interested in, in this field, you know, they're 19 and 17. And I, I basically told him, I said, you know, you got to find a place where, where the medical benefits and the retirement are, are really good. It's not something you're thinking about right now, but it will be, you know, it will be something that you'll um, hold tightly in your hand once you get there. So for somebody who is, is retiring though, they actually, you're fairly young when you retire, and you can be fairly young when you retire. So you can move on to the airlines, and I'm assuming that you may know some people who have done that, uh, going from the highway patrol to the airlines or to other flying jobs. Yeah, we have, uh, we have a number of people that are flying corporate in retirement. Um, that seems to be a very common route. Um, another guy who flies for Google. Um, yes, so those... Those types of jobs are out here. They, I think, um, you know, corporate agencies and, and airlines look at the professional background of, of what we've done, and I think we kind of stand out, especially from a resume standpoint, um, of having this sort of, uh, you know, law enforcement slash very professional organization um, for a number of years. And, uh, you know, that's why I'll, I'll mention this to you, Carl. I'm, I'm considering um, going down the airline route myself um, at, at my 20-year mark. I, uh, it's always been um, something that, you know, as I've furthered into aviation, that it's really interesting to me to travel to, you know, distant places, fly, you know, some of the most advanced aircraft out there and uh, take people, you know, where they want to go every day. Um, sounds like where my aviation future might be headed um, in the near future. So wow. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely keep track of that. And, uh, yeah. you know, you definitely have some of that background and some of that experience. One of the things I, I'd have to ask is that most of your aircraft are single engine. So uh, do yeah. most of the folks come out with just a bunch of single engine time and turbine and piston, et cetera? It's, yeah, it's, you know, you're going to come out of here with primarily um, piston engine PIC time. But it's all PIC time, which... Um, is really great. Um, we do do, you know, crew resource management to an extent that, you know, my flight officer and I, even though he sits in back, we're an integral crew. Um, so I think the relationship that we have there, um, you know, we're not flying solo. So, you know, there's a lot of um, discussion in the cockpit and, and working problems out. You know, I've had <laughs> You know, we've had uh, lots of alternator failures because of the volume of electricity that we're pumping through these aircraft. Um, so we've got <laughs> we've gotten used to um, you know emergency procedures when it comes to electrical failures. Um, but we've also um, 
you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, ironing things out. And I think, I think this, um, even though we don't have the multi-engine time that a lot of these airlines require, um, I know that now being such a desperate time for the regionals, um, the minimum requirements in the multi department are very little. You know, my plan is to go get my multi-engine rating and get, you know, as much time as I can multi and then uh, go down the application route. So we'll just kind of see how that, that plays out. And I think it's really um, kind of a timing thing, at least in my situation, um, having the pilot in command time and, um, you know, getting my multi kind of as a, as an extra thing. And we'll just, we'll just kind of see, we'll see where that leads. You know, in the meantime, I've got a great profession that I'm really not anywhere near tired of, um, just because the, the everyday flying that we do is um, so unique. Unique, and it's very rewarding, and uh, it has some great benefits to you and your family, and I think that's terrific. Now, Jan, this has been awesome speaking to you. Is there anything else that we want to say before we close and uh, you know, anything we, we had forgotten to mention? No. I, um, you know, take a look at our website. Take a look around. Um, you know, we, one thing that we do do, I know a lot of people in the military listen to this, is uh, we do kind of a, a slightly higher speed um, application process for people who are active military who are getting ready to retire. Um, so if that's something that you would think about doing, and I, and I know that it's hard for those guys to get away, but you can, you can work out and do everything in a weekend as far as taking the written test and um, doing your physical agility before being hired um so that's kind of a kind of a plus and and plus the guys we do a lot of our pilots are former military pilots um because they come in with an enormous amount of especially rotor time um it's just a really great spot for those guys to end up you know with at the at the end of their military career um i will say that we do have an age limit um to to apply it's it's um age 20 and a half all the way up to 35. So um, we're one of the agencies that actually has an age cutoff, um, which has something to do with, with our retirement um, program. But um, just to keep that in mind, so you know, in my situation, the, the age cutoff was 31, and I, I applied in my you know, 31st year. So I got in just under the wire since this was going to be my second career. But it has been... Uh, rewarding beyond measure. I, you know, my best friends are the people that I work with. Um, the people that uh, of the state of California that I get to help uh, every day um, to change their lives for the better, and and to keep my guys, my fellow officers, safe on the ground keeps me coming back for more. I, I drive down that perimeter road to the office every day um, with a big smile on my face, knowing that I'm going to get to uh, to make a difference. So. So really outstanding. Well, Jan, I know that uh, all the listeners and and myself just really appreciate what our you know the California Highway Patrol does, and in general, all those folks out there that wear a uniform. It's uh, you know keeping us safe and uh, secure is really important. Something we sometimes take for granted living here in the United <laughs> States, and uh, uh, it really we really appreciate what you do and what everybody in your department does because you go out there and. You, you risk your life and limb to help us, and uh, we, we do appreciate that. And uh, we also really appreciate your coming on here, Jan, and just you can tell you're passionate about your job and, and passionate about what you do and 
and you've had uh, really a blessed career, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. I, I wake up every morning feeling blessed. So it's, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I just hope that the listeners get get something out of this to the point where, you know, this might be an avenue that maybe they didn't explore um, because it is definitely not a traditional aviation job by any standard. But it is uh, it is among among the best. I mean, the guys that I fly with are among the best pilots I've ever flown with. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's the best. So, yeah. <laughs> and if anybody has any questions, you know, I, I have um, no issues with uh, email contact. And if you'd like to put that in there. and Sure. Yeah. Well, I'd, as a matter of fact, if we get uh, from feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast, we'll just forward those questions to you if that'll be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. We'd be happy to do that for you, Carl. Absolutely. Awesome. And, yeah. you know, it's, uh, gosh, you know, one of the things that's cool, too, is not only helping us, you know, in helping people, you're helping people move forward in their careers, not just helping them out out there in the, the wilderness, saving them or on the highway, et cetera. And uh, I really appreciate what you do. And and hopefully there there's many more out there like yourself, and I'm sure there are that have stories. And you know, if you're listening right now and you want to tell your story, just just email me, just like Jan did. Said, hey, listen, I've got a really unique story and a unique path, which it was, uh, and it can be your path too. And by writing us, and we'll just send all those those questions on to Jan, and uh, and he can answer those. But uh, Jan, again, hey, thanks for being here, man. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. And uh, uh, we'll we'll definitely be talking more because we're going to follow your journey and and keep us surprised as to your journey. And, Great. <laughs> oh, I will for sure, definitely, yeah, because it's a uh, yeah part part three of my career may may be beginning shortly. So awesome. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> awesome well keep us informed and and you know if you're listening right now and you're interested in this type of a job say you're you're interested in california highway patrol in general we have a link to that and also the careers uh there's many different careers inside and outside of aviation it's a terrific organization I, i've met uh, a few folks folks that have worked there and they all uh, say the same thing they've had a, a great career and, and love working there it has a lot of benefits and you know another thing too is when you're when you're doing something and you're you're listening to this, you sometimes sit there and say, "Okay, that's cool. I'm going to move on." But what I'd like you to do is do something today, do something now, where you can move forward in your career by you know taking that next step. Get on the website, get on our website, and link to some of those links that we have in there. Watch the video; it's really cool about the Golden Gate Division, where where Jan works out of. And also, make sure you write into us. But do something today. Do something now. Take one small step towards your career goal. It might be doing something very unique like Jan did. We'll talk to you next episode and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.